0: Um, apart from the command to love God and neighbour, worship and pray, baptism for me is pretty high on the pecking order of the things that Jesus commanded us to do. And I absolutely love it, whether it be baptising children or baptising adults. It just feels, it, it, we've been faithful to what we commanded to do. And my prayer and the dream is there's just loads of that going on. In this space, Jesus commands us in Matthew 28, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so go and uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching. Baptizing and teaching. And it's a lifelong journey of discipleship as we learn. And make mistakes, and pick ourselves up, um, wanting to be as God calls us to be faithful witnesses. Now, um, I can't remember my own baptism. Can anyone else remember? Anyone remember their own baptism? Quite a few. I suspect you are the grown-up ones. I was a baby. You have to use your imagination here. I look really, really cute and I had more hair, blonde hair than I have at the moment. I was dressed in a way that I'd be slightly uncomfortable. I know in this day and age you can get dressed in all sorts of different things, but I was in a white flowing robe and a dress. Um, but those prayers were prayed over me uh, by folks that loved me and loved the Lord. And I felt no need at all to reaffirm those baptism vows with a lot of water, although some people have. I remember going to Israel, and there were a whole lot from a church in Wellington that went, and they went into the the Jordan River. They'd all been baptised before, but they thought they wanted to reaffirm their baptism vows near a place that Jesus had been baptised, and they were dunked. They people take this water and they think it's pretty, it's a bit dirty for my liking. So I wasn't having any of that. But they were dunked in this water, and they came up the other side, affirming uh, their baptism. There was one lady. I went twice, and she was in her 80s. And we'd got into Jordan, which is near where the original place that we thought Jesus was baptized. And um, she'd never been baptized. And it sort of, it was a heavy thing. She thought somehow she didn't quite, um, she wasn't part of the family. And can you imagine, at that age, her giving her life to the Lord? What I'd like to say to you is it's never too early and it's never too late to be baptised. In Ilkley, we used to have a convenient river Um, That went past the River Wharf. I'm not sure it works quite the same. Uh, Where is it near here? Is it the Air Brook or whatever? We've got a little brook. So we've had to make do um, with a paddling pool today. One of the um, most significant baptisms I can remember in my previous job was a guy, and he was on death's door. And his wife wasn't that keen about him doing this whole Christian thing. But he was a very humble man. He did an Alpha course, commend the Alpha course. And I sat next to him, and I might have told you this story before. And he, he didn't feel as though he was, this never happened to me before, but didn't feel he was worthy enough to have the vicar set next, next to him. Uh, but when you heard his story, like a faithful guy... Um, who'd been really successful in business, and he had been a faithful Christian all his life. He was on the board of many uh, large companies. He was given... Any freemen of the City of London in the congregation today? I'm surprised. One, you're a freeman. Yeah, that, but, uh, can you drive your sheep over Tower Bridge? You can. So you're really, really important. We're not worthy to be in the presence of you. Anyway... This guy, he, all of that, just so, so humble, but he'd never been baptised. And before he died, which is the ultimate baptism that we have, and we need to pretty much know where we're coming up the other side, John um, was baptised. The other one that was quite a poignant thing, all our children were baptised as, as infants, and um, Rachel, our third... She was premature in an incubator, and I was there. I remember I might have told some of you this story, but some of you might have heard it. But um, quite vulnerable, she stopped breathing, and her heart stopped. And they revived her. But at her baptism, I suppose the imagery took on whole new meaning, because what we're talking about is death and new life when we talk about baptism it really really matters and that uh, brought it home and my dad was privileged to take our baptism i think we sang a song about a god that commands my every breath and those of you who've had vulnerable times during covid you know how important breath is on my computer, old, old computer, I'm through a few computers, they don't always last as long as they ought to with me, but I used to have this icon, if you like, a picture of the baptism of Jesus, and you'll have seen a similar photo with Jesus coming up out of the water, and the imagery that we've heard about today of the dove um, coming down upon him. John and Jesus have very different roles, both have a servant ministry. John identifies uh, with being an un- unworthy to do, I think, the second lowest task in the pecking order for a servant or a slave. He didn't even think he was worthy to tie up or untie Jesus' sandals. Jesus came from the highest place in the pecking order, heaven, And took the lowest place on earth and came as a servant to wash the disciples' feet. Died a criminal's death, atoning for our sin. The message, unless, this is Jesus speaking to you, unless you let me serve you in this way, purify your sin, then you got no part in my family. It's a bit strong, isn't it? I thought you were supposed to be loving it would be less loving to leave us as we are. Baptism is the most profound public way of expressing that we are willing to let Jesus serve us and be part of his family, washing us from the inside out some of us um, listen to a daily Bible reading prayer app called Lexo 365. You, on the 7th of September, it was speaking into this subject. A Bible teacher, David Paulson, writes Here in Luke's Gospel, two baptisms are mentioned. One is a physical one, the other one is spiritual. One is an outward thing, the other is an inward thing. One deals with my past, your past. The other deals with mine and your future. One is connected with pardon, the other with power. John can only help us to a certain point. We're going to need the one who says he's coming after him, Jesus, and we'll need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, a sign of new birth born from above, but it's also a symbol of power for life and ministry. When we think about the dove, we think of peace and calm. This dove broke through the curtain of heaven and earth and came to empower Jesus and comes to empower us. I'm reading um, about the fire also a, a sign of purification and sanctification. Um, if you've got your Bibles, um, either on your phone, you brought them with you, they're not in the p- um, chairs at the moment, but they should be on the way in. And if anyone wants a Bible, you can ask for one, we'll bring one to you. So if you do, the serving team are around, they'll bring you a Bible. But do come with one and do grab one on the way in. We're not putting them under the chairs anymore. Um, but you might know this off by heart anyway. So, verse 21 when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. I think this sounds like quite a violent act. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my son who I love. With you, I am well pleased. You're my son who I love. You're my child. Who I love, with you I'm well pleased. As Jesus was baptized, we find evidence of God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus identifying with you, he identifies with you. The Holy Spirit to empower you, and God to love and affirm you. So, firstly, Jesus identifies with you the incarnation of God God coming in bodily form in the flesh like you and me I get to speak on this in a few weeks so I'll save a little bit for then but he knows what it's like to be human to feel pain to experience joy to know temptation but unlike me and you, without sin. Jesus had no sin to be washed clean, but his baptism, he identifies with sinful humanity and any others that have ever been baptized. You don't stay. As an onlooker with Jesus, you can't show approval without participation. Being repentant disciples seemed too costly to many. They preferred life as it was, turned away from Christ, rather than turning towards Christ. We need to be baptized with Him into His death and resurrection. Secondly, the Holy Spirit empowers you. As I already said, the image of the dove, not peace in this instance, but, but power. The same Holy Spirit present when uh, the world was created, hovering, brooding over the waters in the creation narrative. Jesus was not going to be alone alone. And he couldn't do ministry without the Holy Spirit's empowering. As I've said, heaven was ripped open and there was this powerful act anointing Jesus and you and me now for his divine service. Thirdly, God the Father loves and affirms you. The spoken and the written word have power to build up, Anyone heard words like that? Or tear down. Anyone in your families hear words like that? I've certainly spoken them. Um, not this Friday gone, the one before. Alison was privileged, my wife there, to go away with her friends and abandon me for a weekend. And um, I went to a lot of effort to do my Friday evening meal, fish and chips, I thought I could just about do. And I was halfway through eating the fish and I get a phone call at about, I think it was 10 to 7 from one of my children. We have four children. One of them rang me up. I don't know why. It must have been some aberration. He says, Dad, Dad, He says you've got to come with uh, Ben and Rachel. That's the other two of the four. Uh, We're going to a comedy club thing. Uh, But you have to get here by 8 o'clock. The other two were a little bit anxious about inviting Dad to a comedy club because they weren't quite sure about how I was going to be able to cope with the experience. Anyway, I was invited. I actually got to the comedy club from Claygate before they got there. How about that? Three quarters of an hour just about to get there. It was really extraordinary. You commuters, I don't know what you're moaning about. I think the trains are perfect. Anyway... What they were anxious about, not just my reaction, because I don't know whether you've heard, sometimes of some of the things they say is a little bit, we wouldn't do that sort of thing in church. Anyway, some of you would think it though, that's why we have confession. Anyway, <laughs> one of the things they were, I had to get there for eight o'clock for was um, because you're not to sit on the front row. And it's not good to sit on the front row if you're a vicar. And it's not good if you sit on the front row if you're a vicar and they find out that you're a vicar, okay? So um, I, I had to sit a little bit back. We got there. They were actually really anxious. They said to me, Dad, Dad, what are you going to say if they ask you, if they pick on you? Because you, there was a sort of finger pointing. He's the one that needs to be got. What, is it gonna, what are they going to do um, if they ask you what you do for a living? Very, very, very luckily, I didn't have to answer that question. Otherwise, like the rest of you, I might have had something to confess this morning. Lying about my job. (laughs) Unfortunately, someone did put their hand up who worked for a private school, and all the pre-rehearsed jokes that I'm sure would have been good for a vicar worked for the person who went to the private school, also a doctor, And the person that didn't handle it very well at all was the person who worked at an undertaker's who respectfully prepared people's bodies. And I don't want to go there on the jokes, but he didn't handle it at all well, which is perfect for the comedian and perfect for the audience, but not so perfect for that person. Some people sat on the front row, this big bodybuilder type, and he just bring it on. You can't... But some, most of us don't like to be in the public eye and made fun of. Many people say many a true word is spoken in jest. And I have to say, some of the comedy was on the money, actually. I might not put it in the same way, but they talked about lockdown and isolation and vaccine programs and prejudice and climate change. But my experience from school life and 18 years as a futures trader in the city, that many a cruel world word is spoken in jest. Many a destructive word is spoken in anger. And even the church, many an ungodly word is spoken in gossip. But when God speaks, it's always in love. Yes, he comes with challenge and conviction because he wouldn't be loving if he didn't do that. He always speaks in love, never in condemnation. There was no need for Jesus to know theoretically about his father's love for him. He was to feel loved and to hear it too. I think um, I got many, many failings, but I think one of the things in my life that I've probably not been great at, yeah, caring and loving for people, but sometimes they'd have to be mind readers to know that that's how I felt. Being able to express love as the Father was able to express love for Jesus. You're my son, you're my child, who I love with you, I'm well pleased. There's something tangible there that's going to help him in the desert and on the mountaintop. I love you. You are my child. Hear this for yourself. You are my child, Jesus, God says, who I love with you. I'm really, really pleased. I would say that's the foundation of fruitful Ministry. We don't have to be beating ourselves up because we already know that we're loved by Him. These words initiated one of the most profound changes in my life, being someone who's quite driven. It filled me with life and a a deep, deep assurance that I didn't have to live under guilt or condemnation, that I could just have to be a child of God. We sing about this, don't we, in the church? I am a child of God. There's no test to pass, no deal to negotiate, no image to promote, no person to impress or persuade. We respond to Jesus' invitation just as we are, but as you know, he doesn't leave us the same. These words of love and affirmation are to be received by all baptized children of God. We humble ourselves to Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, and receive his forgiveness and unconditional love. Whatever Jesus empowers you to do in mission and ministry, it's out of a position of knowing that you're already loved unconditionally. God doesn't force us to be in relationship with him. He lovingly invites us. And I'd like to say that we're misguided and very foolish not to respond. As we know, baptism is an invitation to participate in Jesus' death and resurrection. Death is defeated. It's an invitation to turn to Christ, his way and not our way. It's an invitation to surrender. He is the supreme loving authority over all creation. It's the invitation to forgiveness. Oh, how I, we need this. One of the greatest needs that we can be healed of brings in a cleansing. It's an invitation to receive power from on high, to direct us and to help us. It's an invitation to hear and know that we're beloved children. It's an invitation to be in a new and eternal family, sealed with the Holy Spirit, his forever joined with all believers down the ages. It's an invitation to follow Jesus and his example to be distinctive daily disciples. Tamida and Sam are going to respond to this invitation to baptism. Today. We're gonna hear from you in a few moments. I'm so happy about this. In Acts 2, we read that on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached an amazing sermon explaining about Jesus' death and resurrection with a heartfelt, heartfelt invitation for all to respond. I'm gonna speak these words over you and over me but maybe especially over you two today. Acts 2, 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. With this and many words, he warned them and pleaded with them, and now us, save yourselves from this corrupt generation." Have you heard and responded to this invitation? Some of us had it done for us, and God has this covenant of love when we're grown-ups. We've just got to own it for ourselves. Regardless of how you came to faith, if you've come to faith, I want to ask you, who is God calling you to extend his invitation to be baptised with Christ into the Father's love and the Holy Spirit's power.